I'm here with Harriet Lee Merian, who is an illustrator. Um, when I first looked at your artwork, I immediately noticed that it's got a definite Japanese feel to it. And I was just wondering what your connection to Japan is. Um, yeah, well, I guess I've always been influenced by old Japanese woodblock prints. Um, and it's funny because everybody picks up on that in my work, although I think for me it's something that I'm sort of unaware of now. But I think the influence is definitely there. Um, I specifically like these images called Yukioi woodblock prints, and they're um, that means floating world imagery, and they were made at a time called the Edo period, where it was quite sort of a strict era, and so these images were, uh, would particularly depict like tea gardens and quite hedonistic scenes of brothels and things like that. <laughs> they had um, this detached viewpoint, so they were um, drawn on a 30 degree angle called isometric perspective, so it kind of feels like you're looking down on the image, and I just really loved that quality. So yeah, I've definitely been influenced by that um, isometric perspective. But you also see that in like lots of other places. So like lots of um, game design has this isometric perspective and it's not necessarily, you know, just from there. It was also developed in many other places. Um, but yeah, I've also got other influences aside from the Japanese one, like the surrealists and um, old... Um, Indian miniatures and things like that, but I think yeah. What's the an Indian miniature? Uh, <laughs> um, so, um, an Indian miniature are basically these uh, beautiful paintings uh, painted with very fine paintbrushes. So I think the the smallest I'd use would be like um, a one single squirrel hair, and that and that <clears throat> and that would be what they'd use to make the painting. But they. Um, They'd usually depict like um, old folk tales and things like that, and yeah, they're just really beautiful to look at. And I've really been influenced by like the way they draw plants, like banana trees, and just yeah, really beautiful foliage. Have you ever had someone notice that in your work, or is that something that's a little bit more hidden in there, more subtle? Uh, yeah, I think I don't know if anybody's picked up on that so much. I think the, the isometric perspective thing, which I didn't know it was called that until you said, but. That's probably what it was that made me notice it because it's yeah the Japanese ones have that weird dreamy quality of mm. you're not you know looking from the perspective of someone in the picture you're not watching them from through a window or something it's sort of like a otherworldly you know eye from above kind of thing yeah and you can definitely see that in yours and you have also you have the parts of the drawing are really detailed and then there's a lot of empty space in there which I think gives it another dreamy strange quality because it's not. It doesn't look incomplete, but it does look as if everything's been really neatly positioned in a certain way. And yeah, it's got an interesting quality to it. Thank you. I read in an interview with you that you were worried about being pigeonholed because people see your work and come and say, can you do that for us? We like what you do. Um, I was wondering how long have you had the style that you have now? And can you see yourself changing your style very much? Well, I don't know if I'd necessarily change my style, but I think, yeah, it's really easy to sort of, once you start working in one area, um, it's almost like a chicken and an egg scenario. Like a client will see that you do this particular thing, like book covers or editorial illustration, and then, um, you know, they'll just want, want more of that because they can see it in your portfolio. So I think if you want to go in a different direction with your work, I think you kind of have to create those examples first. Um, 
And I think the beauty of illustration is that it's kind of like this huge umbrella that goes over a multitude of different things, like whether that is authorial illustration, like creating your own stories and books, or editorial illustration, like working with other texts in newspapers or magazines, or you could go into a totally different area, like um, product design, um, and you could make like... And that, for some people, that is their whole business as an illustrator. It's like doing cards and um, surface pattern design and things like that. So I don't know if I'd necessarily change my style. I can definitely see it developing in the future. Um, and I can see my work, myself working in different contexts. Um, I think I'd like that a lot. What kind of context would you like to see your art used in? Um, well, I think in the future I'd love to write my own story and illustrate it. And I still don't know whether that would be like a children's book or something that would be more like a graphic novel um, for like an adult audience. But I've also sort of on my back foot been wanting to create almost like a sister company for the business. So illustration would be one side and then... <clears throat> The other side would be kind of like making illustrated products, so silk scarves and fabrics. Um, and I, yeah, I've always been really inspired by textiles, so I think that's maybe why I'd quite like to go a little bit in that direction. But the problem is time, and you just sort of get carried away doing one thing. And it's it's good to have lots of different ideas floating around because sometimes sometimes they just come your way accidentally if a client actually wants you to do something in line with what you were thinking anyway but sometimes you have to you know use your own incentive to push your work in that direction i personally see illustration as like a specialism of art drawing i think if you're drawing as a kid you just pick up a pencil and start and it wouldn't be until later that you think oh i want to do illustration um so i was just i was going to ask you what was it about illustration that made you go for that as opposed to say painting on a canvas or you know sculpture or something yeah well so i did an art foundation and in the art foundation i thought i would end up doing textiles or go into fine art and um and after the first um term of the art foundation you kind of have a bit of a review and the tutors suggest what they think the best route for you is for the sort of style of work that you're working in at, the, at that time and they suggested for me that I go and join the illustration sort of like group in the foundation and I, I didn't think that my heart was in illustration I thought it was somewhere else but I just went along with it anyway and then grew to love it but yeah I never thought I would end up doing this I knew I wanted to do something creative but it yeah it wasn't my first idea of what I would do. So you did take to it quite quickly then? You didn't ever waver and think maybe I should have stuck with the textiles thing? No, yeah, I wavered all into my first and second year of university. Oh, right, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I ended up going off on an Erasmus to Finland to do a fine art course um, and I focused specifically on intaglio printmaking, so like etching. Um, and I think that did really affect my work, so that's, I think that's why sort of like this singular fine line kind of carried through and that's still how I draw. But um, but yeah, I loved doing that, uh, being in Finland. But then when I came back into my third year, I was like, no, actually, I really missed working with a text and having that almost as like a an anchor point to then create imagery from. And it was almost like having, pushing myself away from it, like brought me back and then I just put everything into it. <laughs> what was it like studying in Finland? It was it was nice. It was quite um, difficult at first because I went 
I was thinking it would be quite poetic, like going to a wintry climate, but actually it was it was hard because it was like the depths of winter. The sun would rise at like 10 a.m. and then go down again at two. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah. And the first month I did kind of think like, what have I done? Why have I put myself here? Like I've taken myself out of sunny Cornwall and put myself into the darkest place I could think <laughs> of. <laughs> but then after that, it just, I made some really nice friends and it got really nice. And then by the springtime, the sun was up almost, like you'd be cycling home, uh, say like late at night at midnight and it would just be, the sun would just be setting and it had this really beautiful um, quality to it and then at that time as well the whole city just like wakes up and I think it's sort of like um, a bit of a stereotype that the Finns kind of like hibernate in winter mm. and the cities are quite quiet and then suddenly in summer everybody just comes out and it's really um, yeah a bit mad actually. That's really nice. <laughs> Do you think living in such a different way affected how you saw your work? Were you sort of working up late into the evenings and did you take on the hibernating lifestyle yourself? Yeah, well, I think it really opened my eyes to, like, the clockwork of a different city. And even though it's still, like, Western Europe, you wouldn't think that you'd have that much of a culture shock. But I think the culture shock came from just, like, adjusting to um, the sort of, like, the way people um, sort of um, schedule their days. So at first I was really hard on myself and, like, trying to get to the studio early every day but the art, whole art school would be really quiet there'd be like nobody there just because the natural um sort of schedule or sort of the natural flow of the day is that people do just take it a little bit easier in the morning or work from home um just because it's so dark and cold and that's just part of the culture <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's just it but it i think it's probably a bit like iceland like iceland has a very small population but it has a massive um like creative output um, like the ratio of people to sort of like artists and musicians and things is like really high because I think people are kind of in that mode where they're sort of scrolling away working on things yeah, um, yeah. such a nice culture to have everyone's sort of working on something creatively outside of their day-to-day -day job it's mm. really nice in your writing about your work you use the term visual metaphor um, and I was just wondering what you meant by that Right, so um, so I guess with I do a lot of editorial illustration, and I guess with that sometimes you'll be given quite um, a difficult text, like and I mean difficult in it could deal with quite tricky subject matter, so dilemmas of the mind or um, just something which you wouldn't necessarily want to illustrate directly, like um, abusive relationships or something like that. So I think in those cases it's really useful to be able to use visual metaphor and by that I guess I mean poetic imagery that sort of um, reflects and builds upon what the text is talking about but does it in a gentle way um, so that it builds meaning and um, yeah so you, you can, can like, sensitively handle an issue yeah. yeah so what about your approach to a commission if you get someone contact you how do you approach that differently to one of your just original works um, yeah, it's quite funny actually. I guess sometimes there's something really nice about when you're working on a drawing for yourself. You can just sit down and draw, and you kind of you don't really know what's going to happen or like what how you're going to change the image. You're just making it up as you go along. Whereas I guess when you have a commissioned piece, um, you pre-plan everything. So you'll usually I'll send about three to 
six different sketches or different ideas and then um, the client will approve one and so before you've even started the actual final you already have a very solid idea of what it will look like so it's a really good way to sort of manage expectations and to manage time because you know what you're making but then in some ways it does take away the kind of playful nature of creating an image where you can just sort of let things unfold and you don't know where it's going to go. So I think it is really good to keep a balance of sort of creating personal work as well as doing your client-based work. With your personal work, where do you find the inspiration for that now? And what do you do if you're struggling for inspiration? I guess, yeah, I guess I have to take a lot of inspiration from literature and poetry and uh, and sort of like his, historical art, I guess. Um, but if I'm honest, I haven't. I don't think I have really created a per, like personal piece of work in a little while, which is a bit of a shame. But on the other hand, I feel like the client work which I'm being commissioned to do really relates with what I'm interested in. So, and I feel really lucky to be able to do that. illustration there's a beauty in the fact that drawing is at the heart of it and so that can be kind of applied to anything and um, yeah so I think the Bauhaus had this idea that as an artist you're a multifaceted designer and your work can be sort of applied to many different contexts so they design clothing and rugs playgrounds and buildings um, so I think yeah the I would love to design like an architectural space I can really see that. A lot of your works to me, they look like um, like an orangery or an atrium or something like that because it feels like you're looking through the lines on it make it feel like you're looking through a glass window. Yeah. So I could definitely see someone making one of your works into a, a 3D space. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. 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 There's an artist called Nikki de Saint-Fal. I'm probably saying her name wrong. But she made, you know, those big, bulbous, colourful women. Um, but I've also seen these amazing like playgrounds that she designed and I just think they're brilliant because it's almost like you're interacting with one of her artworks but you can like mm -hmm. go inside and down slides and climb up things and when it's really you can Im immediately recognize that it's her style can yeah you? Yeah. yeah that's really cool um, so what are you working on at the moment so um, so I've been working on just before Christmas and this week, I've been working on some illustrations for, they're almost like, they're in, an infographic illustration for a bikini waxing company. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, based in America. So that's been quite interesting because it's, rather than focusing on like the metaphorical or the poetic, it's very much just focusing on figure and form and line. So that's been really nice. And uh, so this week I'm also working on a piece for The Guardian about... Um, people moving into hospices to um at, at the end of their life basically and it's it's for the guardian review so it's a review of a book and yeah it's just really beautifully written so i think there'll be a lot of imagery to sort of get from that text yeah so you work a lot in america not physically in America, but for American companies and things like that. And I was wondering, do you see a difference in the way American audiences and English audiences look at your work or what, the way they apply it to different things? Oh, that's a good question. 
I'm not sure so much if I see the difference with America and the UK, but I know that there is a difference with British publishing and European publishing, mm. especially in children's books. Like I think, um, and I'm sure that must filter through to other things as well. But I think like a European market has a broader range of topics which deal with slightly difficult subject matter, mm. um, maybe a little bit darker, but in a way that it's um, informative for children. Mm. Um, whereas a, supposedly, I think the British market has a way of making things a bit cutesier mm. and, and just nice. There's a lot yeah. of niceness, I think. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind about that kind of thing? Well, I think, well, if I ever did a children's book, I think I'd love to deal with something which was a little bit gritty, like bereavement or, or something which had, which could be informative and sort of, and beautiful and poetic at the same time. What about the textiles that you've had experience with when you started out at uni and things like that? Is that something, do you ever take a day off from illustration altogether and just make something completely different? Yeah, so um, I have designed like a couple of different sort of like fabrics. Um, one was sort of like this coral scene of, of an underwater scene, but that's something I, I would like to come back to. But most recently, I guess, um, yeah, the most recent kind of like personal project that was putting my work in a different context was um, I, I wanted to put the work onto some tins and so I got in touch with this tin can manufacturer and it turns out they're one of the only ones left in the UK and like in the 70s there was like you know quite a, a significant amount but everybody's moved to China so um, I got in touch with them they do like Lyle's Golden Syrup, <clears throat> Fortnum and Mason's um, and people like that um, and we got chatting on the phone and he said you know we don't do small runs of Tin, printing tins because um, they have to set up these like massive presses and it's printed by lithography um, but he said you know if, you're, if you get in touch with me tomorrow we're printing on metal for the first time in the UK so I so I like got an existing image sort of moved the elements around so they fit on a long sort of rectangle tin shape I sent them over to him and he got them printed off and then from that we decided to do a bit of an exchange slash collaboration so I designed a tin for them, which which has an image of their founder on. Um, he's called William Say, and that's their company name as well, William Say. And um, he was basically this inventor from 100 years ago, and he set up the company. And so the idea was that they'd give that tin out to clients as gifts and things like that. And in exchange, they're printing me a run of tins. So I did a new design, which was like a circus scene um, of lots of different characters and things happening and then the lid was like um like a circus tent <laughs> and then um yeah so they've, they're printing them and they've molded them and um they're sending them to me this month so oh, wow, that's, that's exciting, yeah. yeah so that's been a really nice kind of like exchange and also they're printed entirely or they're made entirely from solar panels because the factory just runs from solar power energy and they're made in the uk which is really important to me and yeah, I'm just really excited about it. So I think from that, I would love to carry on sort of like these um, creating illustrated products, but maybe with like British industries. So like maybe going up to Stoke-on-Trent and working with the pottery there to um, get some illustrated um, mugs and things like that. Yeah, thanks a lot for talking to me, Harriet. That's a pleasure. Um, and good luck for the future with your illustrations. Thank you.